you in communion at the end uh, of my message today. So if you have your Bibles today, I'd like you to open in a couple places. If you open with me to John chapter 6 and then John chapter 11. John chapter 6, John chapter 11. In fact, uh, I'm going to do a series just for November called When Jesus Gave Thanks. When Jesus gave thanks. And then my title today, it's going to be kind of long, so I'll have to like cut it down some way. It would never fit on a CD. But thanks first, thanks always, and thanks in everything. All right, let me say it again. Thanks first, thanks always, and thanks in everything. Right, repeat that with me. Ready? Thanks first, thanks always, thanks in everything. Now, and many of you have noticed this, and I remember when we were getting ready for the the beach day that we did in July that we'd gone to a Sam's Club and Sam's Club walking in was already set up with everything Halloween. It was July. And then it seemed like it switched in August to Christmas. And so as you walked in, you walked past Halloween, you walked right into Christmas and I thought, it's only July. You know, I heard a term this year that I've never heard before of this season that comes in. They call it hollow mass. It's Halloween, Christmas, shoved together. But there's no mention of what day? Thanksgiving. Where's Thanksgiving gone? It kind of gets shot down to just one little day that if you don't take time to think about and get thanks, you can overlook it. Or at least we're seeing that in society today. So in our culture, even today, we move right along into Christmas time. And let me tell you, even it's tempting sometimes because Christmas takes a lot of work and you want to get things ready and I want to slip out a theme that we want to talk about but I'm holding back because Jesus is going to give thanks first. He's going to be our example to give thanks. You know our etiquette, well, in fact you can look this up too, etiquette is if you've been given something that you write a thank you note within a week of you receiving a gift. How many of you are like uh, how many of us have gone weeks, maybe a month, maybe you forgot about it, but one of the things that's probably in us is we give thanks after something happens. You know what we're going to see in Jesus's ministry? He's going to give thanks before anything happens. Now, uh, we don't want children to hear this and think, okay, I'm gonna go give thanks to my parents for my Christmas gifts already. No, that's not what we're talking about. But we wanna look at giving thanks to God first. First and foremost, our heart should be to give thanks. You know, we've learned this too. Habits, we're told, take 21 days to form. But if you do some more research, our brains have to be retrained, and some people are able to retrain a habit in three months. Some people it takes nine months. But think about this. Our whole life, we've been trained to give thanks after something happens. Jesus is going to show us today to give thanks first. First and foremost, give thanks. So I want to read these uh, three scriptures to us to set this up. Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. David writes this. Enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. 
and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Other words, it says that, and into his courts with praise, be thankful to him. I think David outlines for us right in this one verse how we should come before the Lord when we pray. We enter and give him thanks before I've ever seen him do anything. Before I ever know that he's fulfilled a promise, I start with giving him thanks. In fact, David goes on to say, be thankful to him and bless his name. Now, did the Lord do anything that David said that? He was who he is. He is God and God alone. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy of our, our thanks. And so we enter with thanksgiving. Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, and this is a hard one for us sometimes to swallow. He says, in what? All right, that's pretty weak. Ready? In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God, in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. Dan uh, showed me his truck this morning. Somebody had rear-ended or backed into his truck. Messed everything up. Didn't know that. In everything, give cursor that did that. No, we don't do that. All right, God, thank you. I'm getting set up for a blessing. You're going to do something on my behalf. But I, in everything, I give you thanks. I don't like it. I don't like the look of it. But I give you thanks because you're at work. All right. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Apostle Paul says this again. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for all things. Now, I just mentioned about habits. How many of you know we have to retrain? The way that we think. Romans tells us that it's by renewing our mind to God's word. So that we can enter first with thanksgiving. Because we're so trained to be thankful after, oh, thank you God, you got me through the week. Why didn't you start that on Monday morning? Why didn't you wait till Friday at 5 o'clock when you got off work? Why didn't you start first thing to enter with him? I was reading the story there was a young man named John, and he received a thank you gift, or, or, or he thought, uh, of a parrot. Well, the parrot apparently had a bad attitude, and even worse vocabulary. Every word out of the bird's mouth was rude, obnoxious, and laced with profanity. That's not a thank you gift. John tried and tried to change the bird's attitude by consistently saying only polite words, playing soft music, and anything else that he could think of to clean up the parrot's vocabulary. Finally, John was so fed up, he yelled at the parrot, and the parrot yelled back. John grabbed and shook the parrot, and the parrot got angrier and even ruder. John, in desperation, threw up his hands and he grabbed the bird and he put him in the freezer. 
Am I allowed to read this story? Pets. For a few minutes, the parrot squawked and kicked and screamed, but then suddenly there was total quiet. Not a peep was heard for over a minute. Fearing that he'd hurt the parrot, John quickly opened the door to the freezer, and the parrot then calmly stepped onto John's outstretched arm and said, I believe, John, that I may have offended you <laughs> with my rude language and actions. I am sincerely remorseful for my inappropriate transgressions, and I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and unforgivable behavior, and I am truly thankful that I live with you and in your home. John was stunned at the change in the bird's attitude, and as he was about to ask the parrot what had made such a dramatic change in his behavior, the bird continued and said, may I now ask what the turkey did? <laughs> Somebody up church like, you know, I didn't get that one. <laughs> we are trained to give thanks after. But let's look at Jesus. I want to look at a, a, a couple things in Jesus's life that will set up to where he gives us that example that he does it first. John chapter 6, if you turn there with me, if you're already there, let me get there as well too. You know, I was looking up, it seems to be, and I, many times I go back and I double check it when I say it, and sometimes somebody will send me a message or note, which is great, that I've missed it, but it appears to be there are 24 prayers that Jesus did publicly that are recorded in the gospel. Of the 24, it looks like 12 of them are prayers of thanksgiving. Think about that for a minute. So half of what Jesus prayed that we see in the scripture, he's doing it in thanksgiving. The only prayer of Jesus recorded in all four Gospels is going to be the prayer we read here in a minute in John chapter 6. Giving thanks to God was a priority in Jesus' prayer life. And he also shows us and models us that his prayer of thanks was what he did first. First. So before we go on, can I ask you today, what can you stop and think about even as we close our service later with a time of communion. What do you need to stop and back up a little bit to give God thanks first? What do you need to say with your mouth to thank God for what he is going to do in your life? Because that's what Jesus does. Before there was ever a miracle, he gives thanks to God. Before there was a resurrection from the dead, he gives thanks to God. Before a time of communion, he gives thanks to God. That's what I want to look at today, but I want you to have that in your heart and mind. What do you today need to thank God for well before that you've ever seen it? So we pick this up in John chapter 6 in verse 5 through 14. John 6, 5 through 14. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now remember, the great multitude, we'll read on a little bit, 5,000 men, 
And the other Gospels let us know that it's plus women and children. So this great multitude is, in fact, that it's a great big multitude. So Philip, where shall we buy bread that they may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. Now notice what he says. But what are they among so many? What are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. How long do you think it took to get 5,000 people plus women and children to sit down? <laughs> Having to go through the crowd. Okay, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I told you kids, sit, right? Sit. They probably said, sit because you're about to eat. And I'm sure they all plopped, plopped right down. Now, and Jesus took the loaves in verse 11. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those who were sitting down. And likewise of the fish, and I love this part of the scripture, as much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come to the world. So, Lord, as we read these scriptures today, we thank you Romans 12 teaches us that the word of God renews our mind. Father, let us every day, every moment when we're oppressed, that we stop and we give you thanks. Before we ever see a miracle, as we read an encouraging word that Jesus knew what he wanted to do, what he was about to do, Lord, we stop first to give you thanks and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice that what was needed was food to be multiplied to feed all of this people. In fact, Philip figures out probably what he would need to buy in town, but it's starting to get evening time. And in some of the Gospels, it says the disciples, really, they want to tell everybody to get out of there and go home. They don't want to deal with having to think of feeding all of these people. But Jesus has in mind to take care of this need that they have. They've been listening to him teach. They've been following him. The crowd has been hungry, and he wants to serve them by feeding him. But what he does is first thank God for what he's about to do. Jesus thanks God for what he's about to do. In fact, let me read that verse for us again in verse 11. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks... He distributed them among the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. And so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragrance that remains so that nothing 
is lost. He's not only thankful that this little boy has a lunch, he's thankful to God for the miracle that's about to happen. Now, Jesus could have done the miracle. We didn't need to see a prayer. We would have just said, hey, we're following Jesus, and that's what he does. But I believe the example is for us. Before there was ever a seen miracle, he thanks God. Before any, any food was multiplied, he thanks God. Before any fish was passed around, he thanks God. And it wasn't just to let us know when we sit down for a meal that we pray for our food. How many of you, you know, if you've had younger kids and you're sitting the table down, they start eating. Do any of you like correct them? I'll always do it. Hey, we haven't all sat down yet. And then I'll add in my prayer, Lord, and all that is within us. We <laughs> bless your name because they've already shoveled things down. No, we stop first and we thank God for what we're about to eat. Even going through a drive through we thank God before. But this time, before a miracle ever happened, he gave God thanks. He was grateful to be thankful for what God was about to do. And what he lacked was the amount of food. You know, I looked up that a busy in and out will do between 2,800 and 3,000 burgers a day. That's a lot. Right, 2,800 and 3,000. Some of you are getting hungry just when I mention that even right now. That probably wouldn't have taken care of that multitude there. But this miracle did. They all ate as much as they wanted, and they were filled, and there were leftovers. But Jesus stopped first and gave thanks. He didn't look at what he lacked. He looked at what he had. And he gave thanks. That's a great example for us. Don't look at the lack that you have. Take what you have and give thanks to God. So Lord, many times we have to stop because we look at and we, we value what we don't have. But in this example, it's so small. But Jesus gave thanks and looked to you. Lord, let that be an example to us. To give thanks for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Second one, John chapter 11. Turn there with me in your Bibles. John chapter 11. And I wanted to read a couple of these other verses that Jesus does. Because sometimes he does things and I think, I don't think I would do that in a season that he's doing through. John chapter 11, verse 3 through 6. This is Jesus getting word that one of his good friends, Lazarus, is sick. In fact, they're going to let him know he's sick unto death. He's very close. Uh, we know that even with his sisters, he's very close to these people. So in John chapter 11, verse 3, we read this. Therefore his sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said... This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. When somebody hears that you're sick, 
They usually will make you chicken noodle soup and bring it over, not in two days. They usually do what? They bring it over to you right away. So here, here's one of those examples. When he hears they're sick, this is somebody he's very close to. And he waits two more days. So verse 14 and 15 say this. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. In fact, as you read on down here, we'll pick this back up in verse, uh, in verse 38. Jesus goes on and he says this. And Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. But Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Let me read that one again. That's a good one for all of us. Did I not say that if you would believe, that you would see the glory of God? Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Here's another example for us. Jesus giving thanks first to the Father listening to his prayer. Here's what we need to hear today. When we pray, it's not empty words that we say. It's not that nobody's listening. The Father is listening. And as we mention all the time and through our verse, Psalm 121, 1 and 2, where David says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Jesus lifted his eyes up to the Father and he thanked the Father that he hears him. Let that be something in our prayers, that as we pray, they are never empty words that your Father is listening to you. You need to have in your heart that your Father believes that you are believing because you have asked Him and are thanking Him first. Jesus is thankful that Lazarus, his good friend, is going to be raised from the dead. Even when they tell him it's been four days. Jesus, if you would have come right away, it wouldn't have happened. Four days and he was raised from the dead. There, Jesus is thankful to God that they will see it with their eyes. It wasn't a story that he told. They saw it with their own eyes. They saw the guy come out of the cave wrapped up completely and he had to be loosed. And he was healed and whole, dead no more. But it's also now a season that Jesus probably gives that example of I just raised the life and in not too many weeks my life is going to be taken. 
But I gave you that example that I thank God first. And I love verse 40. If you would believe. Say that with me. If you would believe. Now make it personal. If I would believe. If I would believe. Tell your neighbor, you need to believe. Right? You need to believe. So Jesus, before he multiplies the food, he thanks God first. Before the dead is raised, he thanks God first. He could have done those without thanking God. He was already on assignment. But he only did and said the things the Father told him, and he saw the Father do. And he was thankful to God. We can almost say out of Psalm 100 that he enters any situation with thanksgiving. I thank you, God, today. And then lastly, Luke chapter uh, 22 and then Mark 14. Luke chapter 22. I want to look at Jesus uh, and the time of the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, the time that we call communion. Luke 22, verse 14 through 20. And then I want to read it in one other place. Luke 22, 14 says this. And when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave what? Thanks. He took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine until the kingdom of God comes. In verse 19, he says, and he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And then Mark chapter 14, go a chapter back. Mark chapter 14, one of the same parts of, of this story in verse 22. Mark 14, 22, he goes on and he says this. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it. And gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. He's thankful that his body will be broken. Think about that. He's thankful that his body will be broken. Several years ago, uh, just before my daughter had turned 16, I had gone in and elected on her birthday week, even though we were having a big 16th party, there was going to be a lot of setup to get... Um, a little uh, skin cancer taken off of my forehead. I didn't think it was a big deal. I didn't think it would be like a big cut. I went in and after three different times of cutting my head and checking for cells, uh, I was cleared and before they stitched me up, 
I, I wanted to get a picture of it because I couldn't feel anything. I was completely numb. I took a picture, then I looked at my phone, and I'm sure my jaw dropped. What did they do to me? I want to show you. No, I'm not going to show you that picture. It's disgusting. <laughs> I looked like a coin slot. You could have fit between a quarter and a 50 cent piece in my forehead. And I remember them, I like, how do you sew that up? I remember they were tugging. I, I, I remember my eyebrow was sticking straight up in my forehead. They, anyway, they finally had to cut more to get it closed. So I wasn't nervous at that one at all. I didn't think it was a big deal. Well, about a year or so later, they found another one. And so I remember the whole night before going in, I was nervous. I was concerned. They're going to cut me again. I'm going to have a crazy smile probably this time. <laughs> and uh, luckily, it was only one little one they ended up doing, but it's still like 30-some stitches that they give you. But I was so nervous. I wasn't thankful going into that. I wanted, remember, I wanted to cancel that morning. I thought, you know, I'm going to cancel today. I'm going to cancel that. Who wants to have 35-some stitches in your face? Uh, but here's Jesus knowing what he's going to have to endure in just a few hours. And the little ones that I had were simple compared to what he would have. He would not only be whipped and beaten and spit on the face, slapped in the face, a crown of thorns, the stripes that he took, the crucifixion hanging on the cross. And so he knows what's about to happen. He knows what the prophets have said. He knows what he's about to go through. But he gives thanks to God ahead of time. This is my body. And it will be broken for you. And he gives thanks. Same thing happens. He's going to shed his blood. How much blood? In fact, we read even in Isaiah that, it, it, in fact, King James says his visage. Or we can translate and say, he was unrecognizable with what he went through. And yet he takes the cup. That's to be an example of his blood that was shed. And he gives thanks to God for what he's about to go through for their behalf. You know, and I, I read that he's thankful that his body was broken for me. He's thankful that his blood was shed to cover my sins. And yet we read in the book of Hebrews, in fact, I want to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And it says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, who for the joy that was set before him. What joy would it be that your, your body would be broken? What joy would it be that your blood would be shed? What joy would it be that you would be hung on a cross and mocked and shamed? That your disciples would run and hide and deny you. But for the joy that was set before him. You know who his joy was? His joy was you. Oh, he already knew what it was like to live with the Father. There was a, a joy of a reconnection, but his joy was to go through what he went through just 
for you. And that he could take that bread and give thanks first and then break it. That he could take that cup and give thanks first and drink it. And that he knew that his suffering would be produce joy because of those that were lost would now be found. Those that were broken would be healed. Those that needed forgiveness could ask for forgiveness. Though this new covenant would be established, uh, his life would continue to go on through these uh, uh, disciples who were now apostles, and his church would go on, and he would say over and over again, do this, and as often as you do it, remember me. Remember what I went through. I gave thanks. So I would like you to do this with me. If you, um, if you would bow your heads, our worship team and choir are going to slip up right now. I would like us to go into a, a time, just a brief time of worship first before we pass out any elements. And I want to come back and I want to ask you that question that we started with. What big thing do you need to stop today and first begin to thank Jesus about? Boy, for some, it might be easy to go into thanking him for whatever situation. For some of you, it might be something that you've got to dig down a little bit deeper because it is. It seems hard sometimes to thank him ahead of time. But Jesus, when he did the miracle of the bread and feeding of the 5,000, when he did the miracle of Lazarus coming up from the dead, and when he shows what he does for his body and blood, he first stops. Thanks, the Lord. So, fathers, we come before you today as David echoed. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise. Lord, as we take this time to worship and to focus on you before.